Greg Gallagher and Andy Reid first got to know each other as kids in the primary school classroom. Now they're determined to help Luger Boswell Thistle get better marks on the pitch. They passed their first test after seeing off Salt Coast Victoria on day one of the West of Scotland League season, despite the trauma of losing one of their players to a horror injury. We recorded the show before their midweek loss to Muirkirk, but it's clear the pair are studying hard to turn things around at Roseback. During pre-season, Lugo were without some players who are also top golfers. But Greg tells us why they're no longer content to be the team caught in the rough every week. There's Greg on his shock exit from Craig Mark Burntonians and being asked back just a few days after being sacked. Striker Andy has won pretty much all there is in junior football, but is still pulling the boots on. He might have scored against Gary Cahill as a kid at Blackburn, but Andy lifts the lid on why that teenage move to Ewood Park was the wrong choice and how much it affected his football. There's finding his feet at Troon, a glittering decade at Beeve, and how he's using the lessons he's learned to help the side since becoming Greg's assistant. Plus, there's breaking managerial news in the West of Scotland Premier Division. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, we're recording this on Tuesday night, Paul. Uh, tough start for your new main United side against, well, an ambitious Gart Cairn side on the opening day of the West of Scotland League on Saturday. Tough day to... <laughs> I tough start. It was probably... You know, did we really expect to get anything out of the game? Probably not, if I'm honest. You know, spoke to the boys at training last night and, you know, said to them, you know, we need to realise this season, you know, what success looks like. And, you know, Wally's put a great team together up there uh, at Gartcairn. So, you know, some some top players and, you know, there was times that we just couldn't compete with them. A uh, bit disappointing that we probably gifted them some goals on times. Uh, I'm going we kind of had a bit of a game plan. Obviously, in the first six minutes, you lose a goal and that goes out the window. But take nothing away from Gart Cairn and Willie Cannabis team. That these guys can, will, will be a Premier League team next year, uh, for sure. And uh, we just need to realise that with, within the new conference uh, set-up, that there's, there's leagues within leagues there. Uh, so we go again tomorrow night against Royal Albert and Thornywood on Saturday. Good stuff. Well, obviously, by the by the time this goes out, uh, we'll know how uh, how things have gone against Royal Albert, and we'll hear how uh, hear, hear how those games go next week. Um, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency Forty Four Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers, and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation, or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal, and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower league looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. 
I'm Chris Ewing, owner of the Caledonian Braves. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Luger Bosworth Thistle manager Greg Gallagher and his player assistant Andy Reid are with us this week. Thanks for being with us, guys. Cheers. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. And Paul, you've got the clues this week. Over to you. I've got the clues this week, and these two boys are going to get it. It's got to be too simple. Too simple for these boys. Right, they were formed in 1901, but didn't play until the new year of 1902 and become a junior side in 1904. Nicknamed the West Enders or the Weevacks. Play their home games at Victoria Park. And they were Ayrshire District League champions 2013-2014. Greg's got it, hasn't he? Look, he's just sitting there. He's <laughs> boxed this off dead easy. So we'll reveal the answers to that at the end of the show. My name is Brown Ferguson manager of Linlithgow Rose, and you are listening to Down the Divisions. Luga Boswell Thistle management team, Greg Gallagher and Andy Reid are with us. Well, only one place to start, Greg. Great result at Salkouts, Victoria on the weekend. Yeah, a good result. Hard fought result, didn't come easy. Um, obviously, the scoreline suggested you too. Maybe it could have been a bit more if um, Andy had finished another one. Um, but he, he, he got he got a brace in the game out of three goals, so I'll let my way with it. Um, I think it's only right though, first and foremost, just to mention about the game. One of your players, Greg Frame, um, a squid, he's known to us all, um, got a bad concussion, bad head knock um, on Saturday where he's went down to nod the ball on, but the boys kicked him in the face. But it's that grey area where where the ball was. It was no malice, no nothing uh, intent from the the Solkitts player. Uh, just one of those things you, you see them every week happening. It's a free kick that's given, but unfortunately for for Squid, um, he ended up with an Oki go. Um, he swallowed his tongue and, and took a seizure and, and lost consciousness as well. Um, but honestly, we, we put a tweet about it, but we really can't uh, thank enough the the, manager, the medical team from Luger and also from Solkitt to work work closely with our guys to to look after Squid and. We got the ambulance called and um, he went away, obviously, to the hospital, stayed in the night, got a, a brain scan, which come back all, all positive, and he's up the road now just with a, a sore head. So um, everything seems to be going well, um, according to him with that. But again, our thanks go to, to Solkitts for their, their help and support with it, um, and Derek and Ian, our, our medical team. Um, I must admit, I mean, I was I was going to, that was going to be my next question, how, how Greg was, and, and, and I'd seen... I'd seen obviously the tweet that you'd put out, but I didn't actually appreciate that it was quite as serious. It sounded serious, but I didn't appreciate it was even as serious as as, as how you've described it. So, um, yeah. yeah. No, with the initial incident, um, as I said, it was something you see every week. There was there was no malicious intent for the Solkitts player. It wasn't dangerous play um, that, that, that even caused it. Um, and the, the free kick went down, a quick free kick and take, and then you start to see the, the reaction, all the boys around about him, and you know something's not right. Um, and especially off the back of the well known Stephen Erickson, you just, you know, you, you start to panic. Um, but as I said, the, it was great how they all dealt with it. Um, and, and we got there, and the, but thankfully he's, he's all good going forward. So he is. 
Were, were you on the pitch at the time, Andy? Yeah, no, I was. I wasn't too far away from it. It's kind of like what Greg said. Actually, my my initial instinct was to do exactly what Squid did, which was put his head down, knowing that he would get a kick. You know, it wasn't to put your head down, knowing you're going to get booted in the face. But he knew it was just the, the footballer's thing to do was to put your head down. But he's obviously just the, the way the guy's caught him is hit him in the mouth, um, and it. it it's just knocked. It's obviously it must have hit his jaw or something like that. I don't know, but I it, it was it was scary. And you know, as we, as Greg said with the Ericsson thing recently, there was a wee period of time where you were you were feeling the worst, to be honest. But um, thankfully, he, he was breathing. You know, he was breathing throughout it, and um, he regained consciousness reasonably quickly and walked off the park. You know, with with help in the ambulance. So we kind of knew the boys knew when the game restarted that he was you know okay. It was scan still to go, but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a nice thing to, to to witness at all. And I guess tough to refocus when things restarted as well. I think um, for me, if he hadn't walked off the park, I think it would have been. I think that gave us a bit of reassurance, and it made us probably, you know, click back in thinking about football in the short term at least. And I actually think the the Russian game, I think, I believe, was cancelled uh, for a head knock as well. Got abandoned during during the play. I think uh, that happened this week. I think it may have been two games abandoned on the weekend. Uh, so it just shows you, doesn't it? But it must have been a relief to you guys actually seeing him walk off. And uh, I mean, that's quite traumatic as it was swallowing your tongue as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, if see if he see if he get off on a stretcher. Or you know, if he if he had to get if the ambulance had to come on the part, I think the game the game probably would have been abandoned. It was that serious. But it's just the case that he you know, he walked off that thing. It meant it was you know, it felt as if it was probably the right thing to do to keep going. It, it, it didn't last for quite a, a significant amount of time. It wasn't as if it was just, you know, over over and done with. Um but I think that's where our discussions with the referee and, and so did um, the Durban Vicks man the Sulkis Vicks manager. Um Basically, who said that he was willing to to take as much time as he needed for the for the game to go ahead if if necessary, um, or if we wanted the option to to cancel it uh, if it got to that. But you know that the ambulance came, Squid eventually came out of it um, before the ambulance got there, which was was good. So the, the paramedics didn't need to intervene with any of the the initial response um, to the incident. Um, as I say, just glad he's back in the med now. That's the, that's the main thing. It really puts him in the perspective. I know everybody's desperately back to football and as a results-driven industry, even down to this level, but it really puts it in perspective. Or, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's football and health and it's got to come first. And how many minutes was on the clock when that when that incident happened? What was the scoreline at the point at that time? Uh, it was one each at the time. Um, I think it must have... 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. Around about that, aye. Um, I must be around that. I just remember the scoreline in my head because when we were talking about potentially cancelling the game, um, there was discussions. You know, there's no teams getting advantage of a scoring, so you know it's yeah, yeah. Well, we wish uh, wish Greg all the best, obviously, and uh, I hope he he recovers uh, as soon as possible. I, I guess the the scoreline on the weekend. Was a bit different to how you started last season, which I think happened just before you came in. I think it was a 6-0 loss to Nielsen, and then you came in afterwards. And 
does that show where you've got this team playing now? The, the sort of the progress does that sum up how much progress there has been? Um, well, for me, for me, Andy come in. Um, we didn't know too much. In fact, we didn't know anything about the boys. Well, they were definitely know any of the boys. Um, which is strange for down this week because usually know at least one person or a couple, but we didn't know we didn't know any of them at all. Um, that we've still got now. And my wife actually knows somebody who's a, a parent. They're one of the boys that have come in. Um, so we we took the job. They, they they must announce it to the players and they've told whoever. And then my wife got a private message in Facebook for a mother of the child saying, "I hope your husband's a miracle worker." Which <laughs> not gonna lie, when I got that message, I was. Thinking, oh no, Andy, what are, what are we getting into? <laughs> um, but to be absolutely honest, there's there's boys in that team that were there when we come in that shouldn't have been at the receiving end of those scorelines. Um, young boys, though, so a bit of a lot, a lot, a lot of honest um, about them, but there's natural ability there. I was just going to come in on that because. We kind of spoke about it all fair. There's actually been a kind of brief season in, in between last season, I suppose. I don't think we can really count last season. Obviously, Luger were in our league and, and, and we took a new men's team down there. And to be honest, you know, just talking to the guys, you know, great warm welcome in the wee bar area next next door. But just talking, I think this, the, the club was struggling at the time and stuff like that. But but you're saying there that you managed to even retain some of the players that were there. Uh, did you bring many others in to, to, to turn it round? Um, we've brought in a few, but the core of the team, or the core of the squad, I'd say, we've still got her from existing there. Um, and again, they were young boys. Also, a lot of the boys we have brought in are older players, a bit more experienced, a bit more streetwise as well. Um, obviously, Andy's come in as part of the management team, but he's still he's still playing as well. Um we brought in David Rocks, who is made club captain, um, who played the predominantly a lot of his years at amateur football, but won Scottish Cups and Premier Leagues at that level. Um, Craig Connell, who was at Celtic full-time for many a year and played with Scotland up to under-18s. Um, and Adam Lowe, who was at Queen's Park, um, as well as played on other few junior teams as well. So we've brought in some boys with experience that can help these young boys, but... I can't speak highly of the attitude of these young boys as well. They turn up at training, willing to learn, take everything on board, ask questions, um, and desperate to do the right thing and, and progress and develop as well. Um, but I know we were on a whole been happy and surprised at what we inherited. Because I think this, the season you were talking about, obviously, when we look back at the table there, I think it was second bottom with eight points out of the full, the full fixture list they played. Um, and one of the boys in the team was actually saying, until... Me and Andy come in. I think he'd only won. What was it, Andy? About ten games in three years or something like that. Um, something ridiculous. Which is crazy. If you if you see that boy play, you you would think that was mad, but that was the reality of it. But yeah, I, I think as Greg said, I think part of the problem they had was the was a lack of, was a lack of leadership from on on the park. Um, <clears throat> there was a there was a core group of boys there that are broadly the same as what we've got now, but they didn't have that. That kind of leadership through the spine of the team that we've got now. Um, so you know, anybody will tell you you can't really have a successful team just filled with young boys because they just make they just make the wrong decisions too frequently. But what you can do is, you know, if you've got a strong a strong spine, you can you can really um, 
you can supplement the team of the young boys and, and that brings them on and it's fair to them as well. So that's that's what, what we're trying to do. Um, we've probably still got a balance of a squad there that's probably one of the youngest in the league. I'm bringing the average up significantly, just myself, I think. But uh, there's some really talented boys there. There's boys that in ability can play in, in the Premier League and, uh, without doubt. It's just having that uh, streetwise kind of knowledge and also confidence to an extent that they can do it, you know. But ability-wise, there's no doubt that some of them can. From that squad we inherited originally, um, obviously we only had a about half a season to work with, with them, but in the summer there we lost two of them to the Glens. So we did uh, Darren Curtis and Scott Sherry, who would have liked to have kept, but in reality is when a Premier League team comes knocking, then you know you know what the answer's going to be, and you can't hold the boys back. Like, these are opportunities that for some of them don't come around all too long, so you really need to support them. Um, with it, especially a club like us, we're about developing young people and giving them that platform to move on. Um, as much as we like to hold on to them and develop through and have a bigger ambition to be a Premier League team ourselves, it's, that's the reality we're in. Um, even recruitment this summer, you know, I don't know how many boys me and Andy have spoke to and made contact with, but either financially we can't compete with other teams or I I don't know, Paul, what you've experienced you've tried to recruit boys, but there seems to be a, a change in shift attitude of some players as well. Some want to just stay twenties, play with their pals. One of them we spoke to likes playing twenties football, then going out and drink with his pals on the Friday night rather than have a game on the, the Saturday. So I suppose there's about a, a, a slight culture shift as well to when we were younger coming through and it's boys in the See that? I was going to ask you, and we, we've spoke about, uh, we spoke to Jamie McKenzie, Atlantic manager, a couple of weeks ago, who actually quit his post because he just couldn't recruit that calibre of player that he felt could come in. And we've probably found it a strange kind of transfer window. Else, we retained a lot of our squad for last year. There's a lot of uh, guys you're speaking to are so undecided. You know, you bring them in and train, are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's really, really good. Do you want to sign? Uh, I, I just want to see just now. Oh, I'm going to this club. I want, I want to, you know, I've, I've spoke to the manager there, and you know, I want to uh, honour what I've said to them and stuff like that. And think, well, you know, if you're enjoying it and it's good, and you're going to play every week here, but you know, you might go there. And, and also looking at the transfer market a wee bit as well. And, and I'm not going to name names, but a, a, a manager contacted me last week. We were after a centre half, and we liked this boy. And he come back in. He's not getting a game at the club he's at, at a lower division. And he's now went this week and played in the weekend with a Premier League team. And with no disrespect to that boy, I would never have thought he was a, a Premier League team, which then makes me think that the Premier League team's maybe struggling a little bit with recruitment. I don't know. I don't know whether the whole COVID thing has is, is, uh, changed the dynamics a wee bit of football across the board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely been a strange... Uh, Recruitment for summer. Greg, I know uh, I know you said that you were quoted recently saying maybe that it'd been tough to tough to find a settled side going into the games because of COVID and because of holidays. And I mean, I think I think you had to isolate yourself because of COVID. How tough was that coming when it did? And and then you know you obviously had to pass it across to Andy while while you couldn't be there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so yeah. The- as you say, the boys self-isolating. By the time of year it is, obviously, the full season has been brought forward. So there's players on holiday that would stag do as, as well. Um, the boys have been away on. But as you touched on there, I get, I get COVID. Um, but with Andy 
still being a, a player assistant manager. And obviously, there's a ruling as well where we need to have a, at least a, a coach in the, the dugout. Um, I had to call my brother in as well to help out. So he came in in the, the Kello game uh, to help out so Andy could go into the the, the field of play. Um, but with the Bees game as well, which was the one, and I did phone round a few boys, see if I get any last minute. In fact, it was the morning of the game, I think. Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was 14 players um, available for that day. Four of them, 13, and four of them were strikers. Um, and we lost a defender in the first half with an injury. And how have you found pre-season for us, and now even going at the start of the season, I actually ended up having to put a sheet up last week and saying to the boys, look guys, I need to know who's all going away and when we're going away, because we were kind of getting call-offs at the, at the last minute. And uh, we we're playing Saturday, and you know I don't think I've got a centre half going into Saturday's game. Have you guys found that as well? Uh, well, to be honest, Paul, I have been, and the, the the reasons we've had for it as well is probably the same across the board with people. We self isolating or positive for COVID or holidays, but with a couple of boys actually playing in golf tournaments um, as well. But I don't get me wrong, I think. You know, they're, they're scratch golfers, they've got a very good reputation within golf as well. Um, but again, when you're, you know yourself, when you're trying to get a, a team sorted for a game, and even the prep work you put into it, uh, to get everything ready for it, and then you get the disruptions that you you get. Um, but yeah, we've, we've, we've struggled for a bit of consistency, would be the best word for it. We've not the settled team. Um, part of it was through our own doing. We did obviously plan to get boys with, with game time and legs, but it, uh, it's been hard with, with some of the reasons we've had and some of the call-offs, so it has to make sure we've had a, a settled team. Uh, even with one of our boys got a newborn uh, baby, so he's not been able to, to be there, just be supporting the, the family, it's his second child. Um, so it has, it's been hard, it's, it's, it's been hard going, but we're, we're getting there hopefully as we begin to the competitive stages of the season. And obviously never stopped you on Saturday with that Super result. I listen. See, on Saturday there we had uh, 16 players in the squad, but two of them were injured and couldn't go on. Um, they were just there to fill the bench, to be honest, to make it try and look a bit more professional. Um, and obviously with the subkeeper and the the bench as well. But as in terms of what the boys gave us, like Andy, like you, maybe we can't ask anything more. It it wasn't a football game. You don't get a, a football game. You go to Salkets. They make it difficult for you. They get in your face. The pitching and the weather at times isn't great because of where it is down the, the shore front. Um, but they battled away um, and uh, they won their battles, obviously, it came out 3 2 in, in top. We've talked about uh, the players you brought in. I think you've also re signed, I mean, we've talked about Greg Frame, you re signed him, Robbie, Robbie Uri, uh, Chris Hunter, Jordan Barr, Chris McLean, Grant Wallace, Dean Marshall, Colin Mackin, Denver Boland, and Cole Curtis. I think it's I saw you boys have been to, I think it was a deal fitness during pre-season for a session. Uh, you kind of, you had, you know, you wins over Dal Rai in pre-season. I think you drew with Nisdale Wanderers, lost 3-2 to Cow. It seemed like you, you've you not had too much trouble putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, with the, the Kelo game, I missed that. That was when I had to get my brother in uh, to be in the dugout for Andy to play. Um, so I'll let Andy talk about the Kelo game. But in terms of Nisdale, that was just uh the goals are flying for both teams everywhere there. Um, we actually we, we lost a player, uh, got sent off 
uh, right at the start of the, the second half. So we played 45 um, with, with 10 men. And at that point, we were, I think it was 3-2 down. So obviously we come back for 3-2 down with 10 men to, to draw four, four each. I think it actually went to 4-2 at one point as well. So it did. Um, the, and the Dorai game also went 1-2. So the boys have got battling quality within them. So they do. Uh, there's a real character within the team, and it's a close knit bunch. They do stick with each other to get to get through the hard times, um, and that's what they were doing. We just go back to the, the Salkins Vets game with Squid. They were all talking at half time about you know let's do this for for Squid. That kind of I suppose gave them that wee bit extra to go forward. Um, but in terms of pre season, we're we're getting goals. The only game that we didn't, uh, I'm sorry, we, we scored one goal. The Ardeer game. I think I'm going to put my hands up for that one because we played two formations where we've never played before and I just wanted to see them and how they went. Uh, ultimately, they didn't work, <laughs> either of them. Um, but again, that's what pre-season's for. You've got to use that time to try new things and see what you can do to take into the competitive uh, calendar. But I know we won't be taking in two formations. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, well, you went in there last November after Willie Hall left the previous month. I mean, it, looking at you know, pictures of the, the pitch at Rosebank and things like this, like, the pitch looks excellent. Are you, are, you, are you seeing developments there right now? Are you pleased with the way the, 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 the club's going and what will be what, what will be a successful season for, for Lugo this, this season in, in your eyes? Um, well, in terms of the pitch, it's, it's really maintained well. Um, Bert, Esquardo, who is up there on a regular basis, sometimes at four in the morning, to be honest, is out there. <laughs> honestly, honestly, doing things and that. <laughs> but he likes to go around the country as well, seeing other people's pitches and, and finding out what they're, they're doing with them. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get best practice happening <laughs> at Rosebank Park. So we do, so honestly, all, all thanks to Bert for all the, the hard work and hours that he, he puts into it. Um, to, to give the boys a, the best chance of the best playing surface possible. Um, but so when, we, when we come into the club, they were training still, but the, a grass patch area beside um, the the pitch, which Bert still insists we go and warm up on, so we don't ruin the, the pitch before a game, um, which we do. But the boys, we, we've went to the, the committee since we've come in, Derek uh, Montgomery, Kevin Mackin and, and John Hunter, we had a few requests um, in terms of moving training down to the, the new Barony campus, which is an excellent facilities down in Cumnock. Uh, and some new equipment and things in which, and, and all thanks to them, they really have supported us. They've, they've gave us everything in terms of that that, that we've asked for. Um, so they're, they're fully supporting what me and Andy are, are doing. And I hope they're, they're seeing the benefit in, in what we're doing. But I, I don't think, Andy, we can ask for any more backing from the, the committee than we're getting. No, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think um, in terms of when Greg and I went in, it was, we, we didn't really know what the backing would be and what the club were willing to offer. But, um, you know, from a, a financial point of view, from a facilities point of view, um, even as, as far as going and assisting the, the recruitment at times as well, you know, they, they've really been papers. And, um, you know, I, I, as Greg said, we couldn't really couldn't ask for any more. And success this season, I mean... We talked about that that defeat that, that started off last season before you boys were in there. What what will be a good season for you this season? Um, I think in terms of this season, Gareth and as, as Paul possibly agree with, in terms of league seasons, this is one of the most important as an actual league. Um, 
because obviously previous seasons it's you're, you're fighting to get into the next division. This year you're actually fighting for a spot across three. Um, and to be perfectly honest, nobody's wanting to be in League Two. Like, nobody, nobody at all is wanting to be in there. Um, and like I said, when we come in of the season before, just as, as we come in, the club had finished bot, second bottom of League Two with eight points. So I suppose if you look at it from that point of view, then League One would be an achievement for, for us to finish. Um, but on that note as well, when I was, was managing at Craig Mark, it's, that's when this, the, the split previously happened um, in the old junior section before we moved over to, to West of Scotland, um, <clears throat> where, again, it was a similar situation. To look at it, to be honest, Craig Mark was um, a team down the, the bottom end of the table who weren't receiving the best of results every week. And, uh, and myself and Ian Patterson, who I was with at the time, managed to get them into a, a championship position. We ended up getting Craig Mark into the championship. Um, so I think you've always got to aim high, but there's got to be a realism in terms of what what the objectives are an end-of-season result would, would be as well. I'll come in on that and just reiterate what Greg says there. I think ninth, I think ninth in all conferences gets you into League One. So all us teams that were League Two are now this is a promotion for us, is what I touched on at the beginning of the show. It's leagues within leagues. Uh, and we said to the boys last night, you've got to make sure the six teams below you at the end of the season. So there's certain games that you have to target to try and get your victories. There's games that realistically that and it's not being negative, it's not being negative. There's levels that you know, there's levels. And for us to go and try and compete, you know, against Gap Cairns and Renfrew is going to be very difficult. Maybe we can nick a result there, but it's winning those battles in between. And, uh, yeah, you're right, nobody wants to be in League Two, especially with the uncertainty next year of League Two, because League Two could possibly be a League Two A and a League Two B. And we all know, you know yourself, how tough it is to get out of out of League Two. Uh, but it's a real opportunity, guys, isn't it, for, for Luger to step up into somewhere that maybe they've not been before? Yeah, I, I think what you said there, nail on the head, and there's leagues, leagues within leagues, and I think that probably makes a result on Saturday you know, quite quite an important one, just to sort of set us off, because really Solkets are probably, in paper anyway, at the same sort of level as Luger, and uh, both those teams at the beginning of that game expect or hoping for a win. Um, the fact that we've come out with it is obviously really pleasing, but it's it's only a start. But you know, it gives you that that kind of platform to build on for the rest of the season. We've also touched on as well, guys. Maybe there's not been too many changes to your squad. Realistically, where can where can Luger go to? Well, in all honesty, if the season was to finish now, I'd take the third place finish. But uh, <laughs> and, and I don't really know the answer to that because I don't really know what the other teams in our conference are are like themselves. Um, as we can say, we could look at the pre-season results, but you know yourself, Paul, there, there, there's no basis in them in terms of who teams have had, who they've had available, or what the, the, the different variables have been to who they can select, as we've both um, had to find ourselves. Um, don't know, Andy, if you've got a set position in mind that you'd like to target. Well, I mean, my, my first experience at Luger, they won the championship, or what what was the old first division, but effectively it was the championship. So, historically, Luger have been at a higher level than what they are, well, what they have been recently. Um, so, you know, it's not, to be honest with you, 
it's not something that we're setting our kind of objectives on to get us get Luger back into the championship because it's too probably far away in the future for that. And, you know, probably realistically, a lot would need to change for for that to happen unless we had a pretty stellar season this year. But you know, I, I think I think we just need we need to build slowly. Um, and I think that'll happen both on and off the park and you know, if the club's ambitions are to get back to the championship then obviously they'll, they'll know that there's investment that would, would need to come with that but um, you know, I think short, just now this season it's, it's all about us um, you know, really putting a marker down that we're not we're no longer a, a club that are going to sit at the bottom of our table you know, we've, got, we've got good players in the squad and um, you know, we can pick up results and, and you know, we're, we're we're not naive enough to think that we're going to go and, and you know be up the top of the league because I don't think we will be. But I, I still think we can give any of the teams in that league a fright on our day. Yeah, I think as well. And obviously Andy touched on where Luger has been previously, and there's been some really good players in years gone by at Luger. Um, Paul Cameron, who obviously went on to um, win the, the Scottish Cup with and captain Hurlford for for years, um, and a whole string of other names you can mention, but. It's been in the papers in years going by that Luger nearly went out of the game as well. So it's, we're a whole different club now compared to where where they were before. But it's just about building that back up, um, both on and and off the park. Um, and as Andy says, it's right now what we're trying to do is change the perception and the culture that that is of Luger. That like people tend to think that you'll get an easy easy three points, an easy score off them. The bookies had Solkits as the clear favourites. And Saturday there, and even last year during the COVID season, there was teams we were turning up and playing against um, who we were either drawn with or beaten, and they they were arguing with each other. And the management team was going off their, their heads because they're they're not giving Luger a doing. And uh, I think we we are at this moment in time trying to get that perception changed that it's not going to be an easy game. But as well with that, Paul and Gareth, it's, it's not just about getting other teams thinking that. It's about in terms of players as well for recruiting boys because. You get some boys that aren't coming because of the reputation levels got previously, but then you've got some that think they'll come because they'll just walk into a team and play week in week out, and that's that's not going to be the case. You're not you're not in there as well, Paul. Is that something that you've experienced it's, going it's, into new teams? That's the exact story, isn't it? It's you know, again touched on the conversation when we inherited a team, they get zero points in a season, went through the full season with zero points. You know, and, and, this, and this is what I touched on last night. And it's trying to do it in a way that you're not being negative to the players, but it's how we measure success. How how do we take a club, not only putting the infrastructure on the park, but off the park as well, and, and, and growing it, making it attractive enough for a player to come and want to sign for that club, but also with the realisation that you're no longer kind of whipping boys of that league, albeit... You know, we can beat six one on Sat on Saturday, but then again, there's levels, isn't it? And I kind of keep using that word, but uh, it's how we measure it. And hopefully, by you know next year when we go into the linear leagues, boys will recognise and say, Do you know what? Hopefully, new mains. Hopefully, Luger will be a League One team, and then hopefully your recruitment becomes that little bit more easier. Yeah, as well. As you understand and appreciate as well, these teams are competing in our conferences around their localities. The vast majority have got more money as well than, than we can compete with as well. Um, like so we, we don't have the, the best players, the, the multi-millionaire in the club, or um, unfortunately don't own a, a fast food chain. 
our ambassador's <laughs> franchise. Um, but, you know, we're doing what we can to, to recruit them. And when me and Andy come in, that was one of the first things we spoke about in terms of what can we do to try and recruit boys when we don't have the financial package that other clubs around us do have. So we've just tried to make things more professional around about the club and, and really make that as a status for, for boys coming in. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Colburny Laidside assistant boss, Des Roach. Thanks, Gareth. Well, breaking news as we record this evening that Ross Vale have announced that Ian Dyack and Kevin Boyle will be their new management team after the departure of the former gaffer David Gormley and his assistant Mike Dunlop to Broomhill in the Lone League. However, East Kilbride Thistle have stated that no agreement has been reached for this movement. I'm sure this story's got a bit of legs on it, so we'll keep you abreast. Up at Elgin, well, they have taken 20-year-old defender Harry Nicholson on loan from Billy Dodge's Inverness Caledonian Thistle. The youngster who'd previously been on loan at Fort William, he could feature in the Black and White's Cup tie at East Fife tomorrow after featuring in the Cali squad but not actually playing in the Premier Sports Cup. Former Wraith Rovers and St Johnson striker Gregory Taddy has sealed a return to the Scottish football with Clyde. Danny Lennon has brought the experienced frontman to Broadwood after his own self-imposed hiatus from the game upon leaving Dinamo Bucharest in December 2019. At Dumbarton, Matt Lamont has agreed to join the Suns for a third time. The ex-youth international has recently spent some time away from the game, but gaffer Stevie Farrell, who had him at Stranraer, has managed to get him on board. Airdrie? Well, they have completed the signing of bustling striker Gabby McGill from Dunfermline. McGill has previously spent time on loan at Edinburgh City and York City after coming through the ranks at Middlesbrough in their academy. And finally, in recognition for two stalwarts of Scottish football off the field, Brecon City have bestowed honorary membership to Ken Ferguson and Martin Smith. Both were previously chairman and vice-chairman, and between them they have filled numerous roles for the Angus Club, totalling almost 70 years between them. A truly fitting tribute for the interim chairman Kevin Mackey and all the board at Brecon to bestow upon these two football great men. Well, it's been a great week off, great weather, and I hope you guys enjoy some great football this weekend. Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Luga Boswell Thistle management team, Greg Gallagher and Andy Reader with us. Well, Greg, uh, did you always fancy becoming a boss after your playing days? Um, I don't know if I fancied it. I think sometimes I thought I knew better than the boss. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> looking back, I can absolutely assure you that I didn't. <laughs> um, right. I just, just at times, you know how it is when you can be hot headed when you're younger and you just think you you know everything. And really, I suppose it touches on what Andy was saying as well. You've, the age you actually you get the benefit of, of looking back and being able to, to appreciate or, or understand some of the things that have, have happened in earlier on um, but in terms of coaching it's something I've always wanted to do I left school um, and actually did sports development coaching at college that was what I studied um, moved to Edinburgh and did a sports science 
and sports coaching and sports development at, at university. Um, and I spent my time all through that working with Kilmarnock Football Club and in the SFA um, as well. So I did uh, coaching was always something that I, I wanted to do. Um, in terms of management, or oh, not honestly, that's something that I absolutely I fell into. Um, so I ended up at Craig Mark at the end of my playing time. Um, the legs were away and I, I wasn't playing as much. And uh, the manager at the time was John Redmond with Johnny Bailey assisting him. Um, and when they moved on, I don't think there was a great deal of applicants for the club. And Ian Patterson, our span, because he's known to the vast majority of folk in Ayrshire, um, he was a, a coach at the time. And he basically said to me, listen, do you want to speak to the committee about this and, and see what's happening. We spoke to the committee um, and they offered us the, the post to take it on. So we did. Um, and then that was really my first experience of management in junior football with how long we were in and uh, we went on to obviously get Craig Mark into the, the championship that season. So we did. Um, so it was it was a great season. See, to be honest, everything was going well for us. Obviously, it was in the old ADL. That year, with that that split was happening, um, so it wasn't as competitive as this conference set up, um, as it was nowhere near as competitive as that. But when everything's going well for you, as you'll probably agree, Paul, it's everything's easy to take along at the time. Everything's going well, everybody's fine. Um, oh, went well for me, yeah. I <laughs> 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 uh, we ended up in the the championship. We we finished. We could actually have been on and challenged for the league that year, um, but to boys, I think that was part of my inexperience of management and Ian's inexperience of management that once we were um, the points were guaranteed that we'd be a championship club we tend to take a bit of the focus off it and there was a, a lot more jokes and training wasn't as focused as it should have been that it was previously um, and there was a lot of talks about the, the parties and the end of season trip and things by that point so that's something that I've definitely taken on board from from that and again at that time, I would only been about what, 30, 32, so it's still quite relatively young at that time as well to to take on management. Um, but it was a, a, a big learning curve for me, so there was from that and going forward. Yeah, you say learning curve. You went in there in June 2018, and then I think you were sacked in the January 2019. And I think at the time you were sitting above the relegation zone. You were in the last 16 of the Scottish Cup. You were still in the West Cup. Is it fair to say you were a bit surprised? Um, I so basically to boys that was that that was the year I took on myself because me and Ian got offered the job at Gurban after um, the promotion with Craig Mark to the Championship, which Ian, Ian, Ian accepted the job at Gurban and I had decided to stay at, at Craig Mark. Um, and I had discussions with the committee at that point. Basically, listen, as, as Paul touched on earlier, realistically. When we're in the championship here, two divisions effectively above where we have just came straight from. What is, you know, what, what are we looking at? What is our expectations? Um, and the discussion was that I think we were everybody's favourite to go down, but as long as we were competing in games and not just turning up to be beating every week and going down easily. But as you say, we were out with the relegation zone. When the last 16 of the Scottish Cup, we were actually still in the last 16 of the West of Scotland um, as well at the time. Um, and then after one of the games at home, I just get pulled at the side of the part and told that they've decided they want to go in a, a different direction. Um, so they did. So 
didn't, I, I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't get a real reason apart from that. But then I found out down the line that it was a manager coming to a lot of the games who had just uh, been relieved of his post at a, a, a big Ayrshire club and um, who they thought they were going to get. But it turns out they didn't get him. But actually, that happened on the Saturday. I got left in my position. Uh, and then the Monday, I got a phone call saying it was a misunderstanding. But uh, after it, there was... Um, so I think he's turned it down the Sunday, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I, after that, there was no way I could I could take that back and go back again. Did it did it uh, leave you a bit scunnered though, and did it did it make you question whether that was management was for you? Um, it didn't make me question management, but it was demoralising um, because it's the first time that had ever happened to me. Obviously, everything was going well. We even even though we're down, maybe second two places above the relegation zone, you know, you're, you're still well beaten, what the expectations were. Um, but again, that happened. I wasn't expecting it, which I think was part of the, the thing as well, which also um, made it hard to accept. Uh, but then during the week when you just got a paper through on the back page and the big bold letters is Greg has been sacked. <laughs> um, when uh, it, it was a bit hard. I, I, I probably should have taken a bit more time out after it than than I did um, just to get my head in a bit of a better place but listen, at the end of the day you know you still get your job your family and everything as well which is important things in life but as you know with football if you get a bad result you go to bed that night you don't sleep thinking what's went wrong over analysing everything and that, that's just the way it is with everybody that loves football and when obviously they got promoted up to the championship then for survival did the budgets get increased and stuff like that are you then still working off the same budget because it's you know, it's, it's the expectation and the, the responsibility then kind of needs to be shared a little bit when you obviously the further up, it's it's harder. Aye, so I'm, I'm not going to get into what happened with the committee. The committee dealt with it properly um, in the way their actions, but at the start of that season, there wasn't a penny at the club because it was a, something happened with a, a position within the committee and the bank account. Um, so we didn't have a penny. I had no money at all. Um, luckily, all the boys that were there agreed to stay on because it was a, it was such a close-knit boys. They were all pals. Every one of those guys in that change room was a great guy, honestly. Um, so they all agreed to stay on. I managed to bring on two more players um, who I signed from Irwin Vicks for free and they agreed to play for, for nothing as well. Um, so they did. So we had with a squad with no budget um, who were playing. It must have been a bit maybe 15, 12, 12, 15 games into the season. The club, st- a new member came on at the committee who, Dougie Boyle, done a great job there. So he has, um, with the club, started a lottery, which brought in um, some money. So it got to maybe 10, 12 games into the season where the committee said that they're now in a position where there's some money there. And what they would do is they would give the players that started the match £15 and those that was a sub £10. And those that weren't stripped, unfortunately, didn't get anything um, but yeah, in terms of the budget uh, uh, it was considerably worse than than before because you've got to ask yourself in a situation like that don't you you know dead easy it is a results driven business as you touched on earlier on but you know players need to take responsibility and in certain circumstances how can you get promoted cut a budget and expect anything else no, I know. In terms of cutting the budget, that was out with the, the obviously the club's control of what happened there. Um, so it was so they, they couldn't do anything about that. But 
I think there was a lot for me to, as I was saying, a learning curve that I could have taken on, reflected on as well. Um, I was trying to do a lot myself at the time, coach the team, take every session myself, um, deal with the boys, because it was only me uh, and Keith Ross then taking the team who I think was a former Bees keeper, played with Andy at Bees as well. Keith is a, a great guy, great help to me. Um, but I did, I tried to do a lot myself, which really learned from that experience as well. Obviously, look on now, we've got Andy that's come in. You touched on Joe Fitness, which is a, a, a gym. We've got a fitness coach in who's one of the co-owners of that gym. He's worked with the boys in terms of getting their fitness level needs to be in injury prevention. Um, get Matt McClyman in as a goalkeeping coach. And we've got Gary Kelly in who played with, won the Scottish Cup with and uh, played as well with for a, a period of time as a coach as well. So I've really learned about the, you know, you need to rely on people um, and the support you need to, to take teams forward. Interestingly enough, I think Craig Marker also in conference uh, this season. Yeah, so yeah and they've Ryan Cardis as their manager for this year. Yeah, so you'll be looking to, uh, to kind of, uh, well, just looking forward to that one, no doubt. Aye, no, to be honest, it's, it's all water under the bridge now, enough time's passed for for all that. Um, and I, I know Ryan, he's a he's a commander boy as well as me and Andy, so it's a, I know Ryan, he's a good guy. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be a, a very difficult game, because he's got a lot of experience in football as well, so he does, and he'll have that team set up um, to make them hard to beat. But I, I, I think Craig Mark could be a surprise package in, in the league, the conference this year, to be honest. What's uh, what's Greg like to to play for Andy? You've known him as as uh, one of you said earlier on since you were in school together. But what's what's he what's he like to to play under? Remember, we've got a game tomorrow. Um, the team selection is still to be announced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean he's it surprises me. Obviously, I, I've not, I've never really played with Greg since sort of twelve, thirteen year old boys club level. And um, to be honest, he's probably surprised me with that he's got a serious side. Because I've never, I've actually, see, he's just, just one of these guys is just joking, laughing constantly, like all, all the time, even when you don't want him to. But <laughs> football, he goes into training, he takes it when he needs to be. Anyway, he takes it completely seriously. So, um, I've, I've been a bit, bit surprised that's a different side to him, but he's good at it. Um, and he's, he's an excellent coach and an excellent manager. So you know, it's, it's just purely because I've not really. Uh, played with him since I was young. I've not really seen that first hand, so uh, now that I'm seeing it, I can I can see why he's been successful previously. Is, is that is that because you just basically left him behind quite quickly, and that's why you've not played with him since since all those years ago? You just went. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but <laughs> you can say yes. I, I <laughs> you, you said that. I'll not say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Andy? I mean, you've obviously. Won pretty much everything there is in the the juniors game. How was how have you found stepping into the dugout? Uh, I've I've really enjoyed it. I mean, Greg and I have obviously go back to primary school. Um, you know, a lot a long long time ago, thirty odd years. Um, and we've always been, you know, massive sort of football fans and fanatic fanatical about it. So to actually be doing it together, it's been it's been quite obsessive, you know, and we've kind of we've found that that we spend more time talking about football, you know, than we ever have, and, and it's almost like a couple of times a day at the minute. So it has been really enjoyable, and that's something I probably didn't expect, having just played and done nothing but play for twenty odd years. So 
I've I've really enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed working with younger players and and the sort of man management side of that. Um, I haven't probably done a huge amount of coaching because Greg's been doing that and I, and I've wanted to train myself. So um, that's probably one for a couple of years time when I do stop playing. But you know, no, I've really I have really enjoyed it. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air. And, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of shown me different sort of possibilities that I can I can get into when I'm ready to stop playing. Still a few years to go yet though. Till that happens. Yeah. At least five. I don't <laughs> I'm thirty five. Greg. No, no I, in all honesty I, I feel right now it's, it's a lower level for what I've, I've played before. Um, so I don't know whether it's that that maybe makes me feel fresh. But, you know, I, 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 I came off on Saturday and I comfortably played 90. I mean, I, I, I'll go again tomorrow night. And I, personally, I, and like, it's just the injury side of things. You never know what's in the corner. Touch wood. Um, that, there's nothing around the corner and I can just keep playing and, and enjoying it. But I feel fit, feel, feel sharp. It all kind of started for you as a player, I think, at Blackburn Rovers. Is that right? You, you were down there coming through the, the youth ranks. and t- Tell us how um, all that kind of came about. Command first. I was at Command oh. first. For, uh, for uh, three, four years, um, through from sort of under thirteens to just before full time age, and I, I kind of just walked my way through like the, I think it was the D form at that time, you know, like the schoolboy kind of thing, and played in uh, just the, the age groups at that point, and um, as I got to under fourteen, started to get international recognition, so I got into um, Scotland schoolboy news at that point and the other thing see, see at that point I don't know if it's the same now but at that point you, you used to have to go to a trial thing at Inverclyde every year and the scouts just flocked it you know there was every every single English Premier League team you could ever think of was there um, it was almost like you felt as if you'd have to do something wrong not to get a trial you know it was one of these setups. but no that, that I, I walked my way through Kilmarnock um, went in a few different sort of not trials, but, you know, go and see what Leeds is like, go and see what Blackburn is like. And I, I kind of picked Blackburn because it was, at that time, they were top six in England. They'd, you know, York Cole, folk like that. And uh, it was a, a, an opportunity I couldn't really turn down. So um, that was where I went for, for three years. Was the, the boy Greer go with you at the same time? Was he I think he, he, was there. I was, he was there. I'm thinking he might have gone... I remember and he might have gone a year before me or he might have gone he might have gone the same summer but he was older than me so he would have been a, a, I remember it was quite a big thing at one time because there was a few kind of youth players had gone down to Blackburn Rovers who would the manager have been then at Blackburn Rovers was it Graeme Soonis? Soonis was the manager yeah yeah it was a different world though I mean at the time I was at Kilmarnock I was I was 15 playing a year or two years above myself um, like Thought like Chris Boyd and uh, Stephen Murray and Craig Samson, guys like that, they were all older and you were getting it up shoulders with boys that were kinda in around the first team almost. Whereas you go to Blackburn and you're like you're honestly you're playing an under seventeens team and you're sixteen, seventeen, and you've got a nineteens team, a reserves team, a first team above you. The reserves team had York and Cole in it and you know, I, I think I kinda realised very quickly. I've not quite made the right move here from a sort of development perspective because if I'd thought about see what I know now and if I was advising a young player now 
I would I would not be advising them to do to go into a position where it's uh, the, the chances of you getting through are, are so so slim, you know. So it then petered out eventually, and that's when you came back up the road to uh Yeah, well from, from there I, I kind of my head went a wee bit. If I'm being honest, young boy, I was a bit probably a bit immature, not right not ready mentally for that move. And, um, the sort of setback I had with my form kind of dipped, and then you know as you said, then I got just petered out and came back to air, and I really just wasn't. It. I wasn't the same player that I was two years before or two and a half years before it. And my, I, my confidence was species by the time I came back up. So I um, went to air and went through the motions, to be honest, for a year, a year and a half. Um, and then I left air and I just was at the point where I was like, I was going to think about quitting, but I just wanted to kind of go and enjoy myself, enjoy my football again. And um, I did that at June, you know, and that, that was really when things started to kind of go up the way again. Certainly in a, in a relative sense, anyway, they started to get better. So uh, I trained for, for nine months and then bead for you know, on and off for 10 years. And was bead where you kind of your, your happiest memories would be? I think you had two spells with a bit of a break in the middle, didn't you? And won pretty much yeah. everything you could. Yeah, well, I had one nine-year spell stopped for a year and a half, went back for maybe nine months. Um, so I, I kind of had one, one real significant spell and then the second spell I just came back for a, for a bit. But yeah, I mean, uh, we, it was, there was ups and downs. I mean, we get relegated, you know, and we, and we obviously we won the Scottish, we won the Premier twice, won the West. So we did we did do well, but there were also difficult times as well. But the, the memories you have for winning Scottish Cups and, and uh Premier Leagues and stuff like that are, are things you, you don't forget in a hurry and met some, some great great pals and um, you know really good people behind that club you know and like uh, so I, no, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there and uh, you know I was back we were back in pre-season actually saw a couple of old faces I mean you look at going from Blackburn to ending up at Beath you know is, 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 there, is, there, is there any part of you that looks back and thinks what might have been if, if you know, if if you'd hung in there at Blackburn or been able to handle it down at Blackburn. Yeah, no, I'm not lying. There is, there is obviously a lot of players that I, I played with, played against. I've obviously gone on of really, really successful careers, but you know, you can't really look like that in life because I'm really happy with everything and how it's turned out. And I mean, going to Air was a blessing in disguise because I ended up going to university and getting a degree and stuff like that up for my, my my real career, you know, and um. Yeah, things could have gone differently. I could have made different decisions. I could have probably worked harder as well, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I just wasn't to be. And I can't, I can't complain with what I've got. I mean, give us a flavour of some of the guys who, who you played with who have gone on to make it. Uh, with, um, well, at Blackburn, there would have been Alec Bruce, uh, Paul Gallagher, who went on to be Preston captain for quite a long period of time, Joe Garner, uh, Matt Darbyshire, um, uh, we seen Black, even get Black, even guys oh, yeah. up, but good level in Scotland. Gary Harkins, uh, you know, lo- there's loads of loads of that sort of. They maybe didn't quite break through at Blackburn, but they they went on to good professional careers as well. So those were the the, the kind of main ones I can think off the top of my head. And you must have come up against some some class acts as well in some of those reserve and youth games. Yeah. I actually remember very vividly playing against Gary Cahill and scoring two. 
against Gary Cahill. And weirdly, he was he was a big, lanky, beanpool centre half, you know, and it was actually quite quite nice to play against. But you know, you, you look at you look at him now, and he's just a monster, and he's obviously learned and developed as he's as he's going on, and he's a good player and played probably more than fifty times for England. So there's guys like that, um, Aaron Lennon. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think who else. The boys at Aston Villa, like Bornlaw and Luke Moore, uh, Stephen Davis, all these sorts of guys. You know, you could go on for forever, really, because there was they were all in that sort of age group and that sort of that sort of time. And and coming to coming to Lugo, was that was that obviously, as you say, you know, you and Greg go back a long time, but yeah. uh, but I mean, in terms of your playing aspect the assistant manager aspect was it the perfect perfect thing for you at the perfect time in, in the sense that you can look to the future albeit you know you hope to have the, the boots on for for a while and, and how have you how have you found the club uh in terms of the, the, the first question it was kind of it just was the right it just was the right opportunity at the right time uh greg and i kind of spoken about it on and off you know it's just it, it, it wasn't really the, the right opportunity wasn't there and greg when he left Gervin, um had a wee, a wee girl, you know, and so Greg wasn't really ready to get back into it, and I was still, you know, I was still playing, so uh, we didn't we didn't look at it too seriously, and then all of a sudden we kind of were like, right, let's, it was, you know, just uh, after the first COVID shutdown, and we kind of thought, well, we might as well now, you know, we might as well do it because no time like present, um, and just and just went for an interview, and one thing led to another, and you know, we got we got the job and. Took it for there, but um, no, the club, the club's great. You know, it's a it's a great setup they've got there. A good, uh, a good core of committee guys. They've got a good pitch, good facilities. It's a decent catchment area as well down in Cumnock and East Ayrshire. So uh, we've got we've got that on our side, and we've got great facilities at, at the Barony campus in, in Cumnock. So uh, no, it's been it's good, and uh, there's there's lots of things that we can look to improve on both on and. You know, from off the path for Greg and I's perspective, but uh, we're making little, you know, little steps forward all the time. Really enjoying it today. And do you think that experience you had at Blackburn and at Air can almost like help you when you're speaking to guys as a coach or as an experienced player that you've you've seen the the tougher side of things? It's not all been rosy for you, despite you know all the silverware and the accolades you've got since coming and playing in the juniors. Yeah, no, massively, because more, it's more, it's almost like my feelings and the things that I didn't do that I kind of look to our boys and you know try and uh, make sure that they're doing the right things. It, it's all, it's not all about attitude, but it's a, a huge, huge part of becoming a successful player at whatever level you're playing at. If your, if your attitude's right and you try and make the most of it, then you know you've got, a, you've got a great chance of, of doing what that is maximising your potential. And I see boys now team. Could have the technical ability, or could have the technical ability to play at higher levels, but maybe don't quite take it as seriously as they do. Um, you know, so yeah, that, that's a lot of what I've learned through different parts of my career, not just in the senior level, but junior as well. And that's what I'm trying to pass on to the young boys. I maybe get a wee, a wee bit overbearing on them at times, but that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, there'd be no point if I didn't pass on what, I, what I've learned. What do you like to manage, Greg? A dream. Nah, to be honest, he is. Like, see, Emdy that knows Andy, 
knows how modest he is. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually know the career he's had unless he, he actually asked him. He's, he's just such a modest person. He's, he's still hard working. He's still got the bit between his teeth and, and wants to do well. But um, he does he really tries to support everybody else around about him as well, which can't speak highly enough, to be honest. I, I was going to say, Greg, in terms of your, your, your playing career, like we've talked, talked to Andy about, you know, what he's taken into his role as an assistant manager and how he's used his playing experience, good and bad, in that. Is that something that you do and, and, and tell us maybe a bit more about your your kind of playing days? Um, in terms of taking into it, no. Apart from guiding certain players, some of the young boys, the positions they play in, um, with the experience that I've had for the park, not, not really. Um, I think a lot of it, obviously me and Andy have, have went different paths has has been a lot more professional in terms of the playing side than mine, but in terms of the coaching side, that's basically what I do as a living as well. Um, so I tend to draw more from my experience of that to to take into to this side of it. Um, but again, that's I suppose is the difference that me and Andy have, have had in their lives, where what we do has been different. We operate differently towards the boys, but I think it's working. You know, there's boys developing there at that club. Um, from from what we are doing, and I think Andy, you probably agree that is is some of them are night and day the difference that. Yeah, I think I think we've probably got quite a good mix, Greg and I, because um, Greg Greg has all this the actual football coaching experience. I've probably got a playing experience, um, and I've I've you know everything that I do from a coaching perspective is either from memory from what I got myself or what I see Greg doing. You know, I've not really I've not got any coaching badges, certificates, and like that. That's something I would like to do when I'm older, or when I get a chance and the time to do it, but um, right now, Greg Greg does all of that, but, you know, from my playing experience, and also my my job uh, as, a, as a sort of, as a senior manager, so, you know, from my, my professional career, I, I kind of find the managerial side quite easy and natural, so I think um, I think that that side that complements uh, what Greg does and, and the two is complement each other quite well from that side. You must have had some primary school team. <laughs> no, no, we didn't really. It was me and Greg and then a bunch of, I don't know what you would call them, but they're only the much <laughs> footballers anyway. It was one of the parents that took our primary school team and he was a, he was a lovely guy, but he was one of them who was trying to be like include everybody, you know, wasn't he? He didn't pick the best players, he picked just everybody and gave them little shots. So no, we weren't very good. <laughs> but was uh, Greg was Andy always marked out as somebody who was a bit a bit extra special? Um, aye, aye, he was. He was always to be honest. I, Andy was one of the guys as well who, when you were younger, he was one of the early developers as well. So he was, was a kid growing up. Um, obviously stuck out in other school photos with the height him. As well compared to videos, um, <laughs> but I was just somebody who's he always had the physical attributes growing up from a young age, and um, obviously at level he's played that you can tell he's the technical attributes to back that up as well with it. Because um, that's one of the things when he obviously moved on down to go to England, and that's really no long after that I started. I just went straight into junior. Um, no long after that, I know Andy came up to watch a few hour games and. I think I went down to a couple of his. I think Sheffield Wednesday was one of them, Andy, I think. Uh, yeah. As well. Yeah, and, and uh, I mentioned before, you know, your own playing days, Greg, the juniors game, 
give you a lot over the years and and uh, something that you kind of really really enjoyed playing in? Uh, I it really has. And all this, as I said, I went straight into to the juniors. So the the culture shift, which she is completely different now. When I started in the juniors, without right into the older boys who if things were on the go well in the park. But they, they literally had boys with the throw it or with the scruff of the neck in the changing rooms grabbing you again, pinned up against the wall. Like, I think some of the young boys think you're joking when you tell them that, but that that was literally the changing rooms I was in with the older boys. Um, you, you never see that now. Or if you do, it's, it's very seldom. Um, but I so I went started went to Craig Mark when it was Willie McMahon that was the manager. Um, Mika. Uh, we had a good team that we challenged for promotion. Uh, the two seasons that I was there, um, had a few boys in one for Queen of the Queen of the South as well, so it was a decent team. So it was. Uh, then I went on a wee, a wee short spell at, at Muirkirk, and then after that, Peter Leonard signed me from Muirkirk for me ball, and then I've, I've lost track of the amount of years I played under Peter. Um, easily going to double figures all through the time at, at me ball in Garvin. Um, we me ball, we spent most of the time in the old Super First. Um, so we did a couple of relegations, then uh, bounced back up with promotion straight away back into Super First. Um, and then with Garvin, it was, it was basically when Peter moved from Mabel to Garvin, the full team practically went to, to Garvin, apart from was three boys still uh, tied in, in contracts at Mabel, but the rest of the boys all went. Um, in that first season, they were going to the league undefeated, so we did, and then I think it was back-to-back promotions for Garvin into the, into the Premier. So it was um not get as many highlights as Andy, but uh, uh, there's been a few a few league league wins along the way. So there has um and as well before I touched on with Gary Kelly with when the Scottish Cup with the Ayrshire, Ayrshire district team as Andy was talking about school level when you get the Ayrshire trials and the Scotland trials and that. Um luckily won the Scottish Cup and one of the best players I've ever played with at that level would unfortunately no longer with us anymore, Stuart McGrady. Um who I think, was he with you at Air, Andy? Was that a crossover? No, yeah, I played with him at Air. He's a lovely, lovely, lovely guy. Uh, very genuine, yeah. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Give us those clues again, Paul, and we'll see if the boys have got it right. Thanks, Corey. He, 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 he was nodding his head straight away. It was, it, was very, it was the very first date you said, Paul, and you straight off that date. 1901. 1901. <laughs> formed in, look at Andy's like, ah, he's, he's not going to, yeah, he's... <laughs> I thought I knew it, but I don't know. Right, formed in 1901, but did not play until the new year of 1902. They become a junior side in 1904. Nicknamed the West Enders, or the Weevicks. Oh. Play their home games in Victoria Park and they were Ayrshire District League champions 2013-2014. Now you two are Ayrshire boys, so you'll get that. No bother. Yeah. Get out of it. I'm going to go Whitlitz. Whitlitz. Right. I'll go with Andy because you know it, Andy. Thousand Vicks. Greg. I see the bonus that was when we were talking about our game. Instead of saying Sulkers Vix, I said Irvin Vix initially because I was thinking of the Arteza. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Irvin Vix, nice and easy this week. Greg, Andy, thanks uh, thanks for coming on the, the show this week and uh, hope you have a good season 
at Luger and continue the, the good work that's going on down there. And we'll hopefully get you back on the show later in the season, see how things are going. Yeah, no, I appreciate the invite and thanks for having us on. And Paul, all the same to you as well at New Mains. Likewise. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.